Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Is that in the first century, it was very common for people to go to um, a rabbinic school or go and follow a particular leader or somebody who was, who was very knowledgeable. But the way in which it happened in those days was that you as the aspiring student would go out and seek the person that you want to teach you about the Torah or about whatever it is. You would approach them, you would have to demonstrate your worthiness to that person so that they will be able to get you to be part of their school. And so the aspiring student goes to the knowledgeable teacher and asks if he could be a part of what they do. But what we see here in this passage is that Jesus turns that on his head. It is Jesus who goes and makes the first move. Jesus is the one who goes to these successful businessmen and he tells them to leave what they are doing behind and to follow him. Jesus is the one who has the authority to do this thing. Notice that as, as, as Mark narrates the story, there are no prerequisites that we see Jesus putting before the disciples. He doesn't tell them that you need to clean yourself up. He doesn't tell them that they need to do a certain thing or that before they can come following him. But Jesus says, follow me. Only, only as you follow Jesus will he make himself known to you. You see, the way in which Jesus does, the way he calls his disciples is in many ways the manner and the way in which the gospel works. When the gospel goes out, when we hear the gospel, it is not because perhaps we were primed to hear this gospel. It's not because maybe we were searching to hear this gospel, but it is always God who makes the first move. God is the one who walks towards us. He is the one who draws near to us. And we but respond. I remember this very vividly when I became a Christian in my metric year. There were many things that were going on as I was seeking to understand what is it that God wants from me in my, as, as, as I felt the call to become a Christian. But one thing was clear to me that by being a Christian, it means that I put Jesus first. He's the one that I follow. Everything else comes second place. And because that was clear in my mind, I was very reluctant to become a Christian. I didn't want to leave all the things that I had behind. There were things that I, was, I, felt, I felt they were very dear to me that I wanted to hold on to. But... Though the cost was costly, because the call was irresistible, I followed Jesus. 
And so it is with everyone who is called by the Lord. It is the Lord who makes the first move. He is the one who draws near to us and we but respond to him. The second thing that we see here about Jesus' call is that Jesus' call is not just a call to follow him, but it is a call to, uh, to also do something else, and it is a call to service. So verse 7, Jesus says, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Following Jesus requires a fundamental change of perspective from viewing life from your glance, from your viewpoint, uh, from making life about you to changing that to making life about the things of God. If you, don't, if you think that being a follower of Jesus is all about you, if you think following Jesus means I wake up, I come to church, I get filled up, and then I go about my day, dare I say you have missed what it means to be a Christian. Church is not here only for us to be inspired, but church calls us, the gospel calls us into a new reality, and that new reality is what God has called us to. It is a mission. We are called to be on mission. We are called to partner with God as he does his work, that, as he does the work he's already doing in the world. And what is that work? He's calling people to himself. He is redeeming his work. And we have the privilege as we are called by him, to be saved by him, to also partner with him in that particular work. And so we see here that Jesus has authority over men to call us from what we've been doing to call us into service. The second thing we see here that Jesus has power over, he has authority over spiritual realities. So in verse 21, we see that Jesus went into Capernaum and he goes into a synagogue and as he enters the synagogue and begins to preach, people are amazed at what they hear. Verse 22 tells us the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. It was common in those days that when the teachers of the law came, they would preach, but they would rely not on their own authority. They would rely on the authority of, of the traditions that they had, of, of past prophets or past people who have written books. Literacy was not as common or as not as high as it is in our day. And so when people went to the synagogue, they would rely on these people who were much more learned than them to tell them about the traditions of their people. And as these scribes or the teachers of the law would stand up in front of people, they would quote past uh, people or past prophets or past heroes. They would open up the book of Maccabees and tell them about what this uh, particular rabbi did or what this particular person did. And they would be famous be and, uh, because of their ability 
to quote other people. And so they, their authority was a mediated authority. But what we see with the Lord Jesus Christ is that when he came, he didn't speak relying on past voices. He spoke with authority. Matthew actually quite illustrates this very well because he says here, it has been said to you, do this and this, but I say to you, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus demonstrates, even in the Sermon of the Mount, that authority with which he was proclaiming. And this authority that Jesus preached on was so strong and so powerful that it reverberated across realities in the physical as well as in the spiritual. And so verse 23, we are told, just then a man in the synagogue who had been possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The authority was so evident that even among the spirits that sat in the room there in the synagogue, they were left unshaken by all those who were speaking in the past. When they heard the message of Jesus, they, they suddenly were uncomfortable and they came out. Notice that Jesus here wasn't leading some, he wasn't on a demon hunting expedition. He wasn't leading some healing crusade. He merely was teaching. And as he taught, these demons cried out. Notice as well that Jesus, even in his demonstration of his authority as he taught, he uses his authority to redeem and restore the broken. He uses his authority to free the captives. And so even those who were in bondage for so long through these demons and these impure spirits, the Lord Jesus Christ frees them. He tells these demons to leave these, 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 these people. And so they scream and they, and they leave. And so even his authority, we see demonstrated in how he frees the captives. And as we think about bondage, what bigger bondage do we see than our decaying flesh? The sickness and the illness that we live with, the fact that we know that as we live in this world, at some point our lives will come to an end. But even over sickness and illness, Jesus has authority. In verse 29 to 34, we are told that Jesus goes into Simon's home, meets Simon's mother, mother-in-law, but he's told that mother-in-law is sick. She's so sick, in fact, that she's bedridden. And so Jesus immediately goes to her, picks her up with his hand, and immediately the fever leaves. It is so immediate that, immediate that she feels so well that she starts to serve them food, this woman who was bedridden. And even as the word about Jesus kind of spreads across the whole town, we are told that the whole town 
came and gathered around Simon's home. Can you even picture that? Imagine around your home, the whole people, all the people here in Auckland Park coming and gathering around, around you, the people of Auckland Park and the people here in Melville. But that's what happened here. And even as the people gathered around, Jesus continued to heal them. He healed them of various diseases. He drove many demons out. Yet he did not let these demons speak because, these de- because the people were not ready for what type of a Messiah he is. Yet Jesus continues to heal the people of their diseases and heal people of their sickness. And as we listen to this account, I'm sure some of you are probably asking, well, if Jesus had the authority to heal all, these, all this sickness and drive out all these demons, why didn't he just go to the nearby hospital and kind of empty it? Why didn't Jesus kind of just drive out all the demons and end all the suffering that we are seeing in the world? After all, he is the one who has the power, as you are saying, Musa, to do these things. Well, I will put it to you that Jesus, yes, he does have the power to do this, but Jesus uses this power to solve our biggest problem that we have. And our biggest problem, as we go, if you go through the book of Mark, you will realize that the biggest problem that we have is not our sickness, it is not our bondage through, due to impure spirits, this is not the biggest problem we have. The biggest problem that you and I have is that we are enemies of God. And because we are enemies of God, our, the price that we have to pay for that is death. And the only way in which this problem can be solved is if someone as powerful as God comes into the world to save us from our sins. And so it is only in the proclaiming of the gospel that we can be saved. It is only as the gospel is heard and responded to, as people hear the gospel, repent and believe that the world can be saved. That is why Jesus makes that his priority. And so we see here in verse 35 that early in the morning, Jesus then goes into a quiet place and he prays. The disciples come and tell him, how Jesus, you began this amazing uh, miracle crusade. More and more people are waiting for you. Come so that you can continue to heal them. And maybe they will make you king. Who knows what the disciples were thinking. But Jesus is clear here. He says to them that let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there also. Preaching what? Preaching the gospel that the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. For that is why I have come. Jesus says this because The way of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel is the only way in which you and I can be saved. 
The way of the gospel, the proclaiming of the gospel, is the only means that will lead the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross to die for our sins. And so Jesus then continues on that particular mission. He does it, why? So that he can solve our biggest problem. And with our biggest problem being solved, then we will have the hope that what the, all the other things that we see, the death and the decay, the sickness and the bondage, the Lord will solve when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. As we close, I want you to ponder carefully about the king you have just encountered today. This king is not like the kings and the leaders of this world who promise things but don't have the ability to do them. He is not like the kings of this world who speak a good game but only disappoint us over time. Jesus is the king like no other. He is the king who makes the first move. He is the king who calls you to himself. He is the one not only who calls you, but he calls you to service so that you can preach the same gospel to others. This is a king whose power transcends our physical reality to even the spiritual world that we all dread. When we're sleeping at night and we hear something rustling in the night, we don't want to go and see because we are fearful. But Jesus has power even over those things that terrify us. Jesus is powerful enough to reverse the decay of death that we see. Now this king calls you to follow him. Will you listen to this Jesus? Will you listen to this gospel? Heritage, will you follow this Jesus and become fishers of men? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we've just encountered you. And when we encountered you, Lord, you are a God like no other. You are a king like no other. You are a God who has the power to call us. Who can resist your call? Lord, you have power even over the spiritual realities. What do we need to fear? And Lord, even as we sit here, Lord, we pray that this reality of who you are that, Lord, we may ponder seriously. Lord, may we trust in you because you are a trustworthy God. May we trust in you, Lord, because you have demonstrated your authority to us all. Lord, may we follow you by obeying and trusting in the gospel, for this is the only way that men can be saved. Lord, you have spoken. We pray that we listen. In Jesus' name, amen.